AJ, pick a team. Uh, I mean, my region is Patriots, which seems like a boring answer. Um, I mean, if you want, you could pick a state, and I can tell you if they have a team. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was just trying to think of one that I don't necessarily know that much about, uh, Jaguars. Okay, yeah, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, their quarterback looks like a very handsome caveman. Okay, makes uh, sense. So how do you feel about Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> um, I think he looks like a very handsome caveman. <laughs> Imagine, how original. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> only only okay. the hottest takes from Jade over here. Yeah, I'm going to make um, a wild bet that that is the person you just referred to and you didn't zag <laughs> into a different person. And just <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I will I say, don't actually he, ha- I don't know who he is or what he looks like, but I have heard the name before, and I guess that means something. Let me Let me show you a picture of him. This is riveting uh, radio. Yeah, actually, I think I think I've, I've probably I've heard the name before on like the, the there's like some podcast episodes I've downloaded that had ads for Progressive, and they did like a mock sports announcing thing, and they I think they mentioned Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguar, and this would have been probably like three years ago that I downloaded those. So I assume he's probably been the quarterback for... Oh, yeah, no, no, he doesn't look bad. Kind of a big nose, but that's fine. Yeah. Do you get the handsome caveman um, look I, I was talking about, though? Not really. I, I was expecting, like, a bigger, more pronounced forehead. Yeah, I I get it. He just has a very, like... Yeah, I mean, he's got a big has, nose and a wide mouth jaw. Yeah, he has but, very pronounced features. Yeah. So, um, and like Fabio hair. Yeah, he has hair you don't often see from a yeah, football player. I, I I don't think a caveman can wash their hair that well. No, that like that it doesn't even look tangled at all. Yeah. Well, here you go. Here's a... A sweatier, here's more caveman-looking one. one. Oh, I also see he's got uh, white, uh, like, AirPods or earbuds. Um, okay. Yeah. So there you go. There's <laughs> there's our reporting on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Uh, I don't know a lot about them, so <laughs> I can't really... Uh, I really don't know where to go from here. Do you think they'll win the division? Um, how how many? Actually, I don't even know how many. How many games do they play, and how many of those have they won so far? Well, there's 17 games in the season, and I'm pretty sure they've won. They are a six and three right now. I want to say. So pretty good. Okay. But not like super good. Uh, let's see. Okay, I, I just googled NFL teams. Uh, this uh, grid of 
24 of them here, and I have a D20, so I'm going to roll that and see what uh, what team I should ask you about. Maybe I'll be one you know more more trivia or something. Okay. Uh, that's a two Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, no. Is it worse? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're like the, the best team. In the <laughs> oh. Okay. okay, here we go. Hey, hey, Jade, how do you feel about Taylor Swift dating um, star Kansas City Chiefs tight end uh, Travis Kelsey? Um, is he involved in her movie at all that made a bunch of money? I, know I don't she think just so. Did a movie. Um, Pe- people have theorized that it's just a marketing stunt to get girls into the NFL. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I you know I guess it is impressive that you know as much money as a quarterback makes, he's probably dating someone who makes more money. Oh yeah, I mean he's a he's a tight end, so he doesn't make quarterback money. Oh, but okay. let's see. Um, uh, I will ask the dice a different. Uh, eleven. It's number eleven. That is Travis Kelsey. <laughs> okay. He's, he he's like he's somewhere between the Hemsworths. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess he looks fine. Um, yeah. 11, I rolled a Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, I actually like the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, how do you feel about Joe Burrow's uh, resurgence after coming back from injury? Um, I think it's inspiring. They should make a movie about it. <laughs> oh, what do you think about T Rex? Um, it's a very popular dinosaur. Um, I, I guess I, I like them, you know. I, I've always had a thing for velociraptors, too, except I guess they're really the Dinonychus, because, you know, Spielberg just swapped the names around. But T Rex is cool. I don't know who, who, who T Rex the person is. <laughs> there's, a, there's a defensive end named Trey Hendrickson, and his nickname is T Rex. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, the Cincinnati Bengals. Here's a fun fact for you: the Cincinnati Bengals um, have, I think, like the probably like eighth or ninth uh, best record in the NFL, and they are in last place in their division. <laughs> okay. So there you go. There's a fun fact for you about so the Cincinnati Bengals. So that division is just like above everyone else. Yeah, they all have like five or six wins. Okay. Uh, the bottom of the top. Yeah. Hot. Yep. Uh, yeah, because for our main topics. This epi- I mean, let's see. Yeah, you said you've got like three Disney movies, of which I I did watch along with one of them. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I've never se- I've never seen it before, and now I've seen it. Um, so we can cross that off and never watch it again. <laughs> never uh, even think about it again. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to think about. It, there really is. 
Yeah. Yeah. I saw the it's new a- The Marvels and also some other movies and stuff. So. That's a movie I've heard people with opinions on the trailer, and I don't. I've never heard any opinions on the actual movie. Uh, for the Marvels. Yeah. Yeah, it just came out this weekend, so. I guess the actual opinions on the movie will start up this weekend. Um, I, I guess I can start off with that one because it's the most recent. I just saw it last night. Um, it okay? So the reviews for it. You know that I read before I saw it. Uh, generally, it's one of the lowest rated. Um, you know, on like <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, it's like down in the fifties. Um, it's comp. I feel like in a lot of ways, I think it's it's comparable to Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, um, a movie that is generally disliked that I thought was a lot of fun. Um, you know, my uh, getting ahead. Um, I I actually was surprised to find that I liked the Marvels a lot. Um, it's it's just a really fun, silly movie. You know, it's and it's also only like ninety eight minutes. It's you know one of the shortest. It's not wasting time. You know, trying to be more important than it is. It 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 is just a fun little superhero romp. Um, but also like. So okay, so so like the the reviews, um, most of the reviews like that it it is it's similar to that where I think people are just sick of Marvel movies, and so if it doesn't do anything like new or interesting or you know any, things that make you feel emotions beyond that was fun, um, then it just gets shrugged off by critics because uh, they're just tired of all of them. Um, uh, a, a common complaint in the reviews is that the movie has too much fan service so I wasn't sure what that meant until I saw the movie uh, I thought maybe it'd be like oh there's just gonna be like a lot of Avengers cameos or something um, there's not the, there's a couple there's, sequences there's a lot of tits no no <laughs> it's, um, I mean I guess in the it's three main leading ladies fighting a lady villain. Um, the, yes, it is a very female-centric movie. Um, although, I, you know, I did I said over in the media box, it honestly, like, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, wow, this actually does feel like a girl power movie. You know, that's not like that scene in Endgame where they're like, look at all the female characters who we don't pay attention to. They're all yeah. showing up all at once. Look um, at all these side characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the, this this movie it's just it's it's three female characters who've got great chemistry uh playing off of each other trying to stop a female bad guy. But it you know aside from that like, it, none of them really talk about like how hard it is to be a woman or you know any any of the stuff that you would expect, you know, if like, I I I don't know who who wrote the movie if the movie was also written by women or not, but you know a lot of those, you know, like female-focused superhero-type movies, you know, they, they just they, they, they it feels like they're not allowed to just be a fun superhero movie, um, you know, like they they have to be about, you know, uh, like modern. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm rambling, but it's um, they have to be Captain Marvel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, I I feel like I'm dancing around trying not to accidentally say something insensitive, but 
the the thing is like the movie it just isn't it it isn't trying to play into any of those expectations of like you know th this is a movie with all women so we, it needs to be about women in society and uh, you know that it, it's just it's just a fun superhero adventure thing starring women which was cool um, and and I think the fan service thing is because there's like a couple really big dumb silly sequences that were a lot of fun but you know for the critics who are just tired of having fun at movies um, they, they just didn't <laughs> like that I guess um, because it does get very silly at points well, I, I will say, like, as, as someone who's basically skipped out of Marvel for the past, I don't know, two years now, mm. uh, it, it's it, it's more like, okay, this is the same shit I've seen, like, you know, what, 30 movies? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 30 movies slash shows now, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Like what? Because also Loki just wrapped up yesterday too, and that one I kind of complained a little bit. Like I, you know, I think that show, the season two, was good overall, but I couldn't buy into some of the stakes of like the, you know, like the any of the, like the big stuff they were doing in that. It was hard to buy into it because it's just all this like multiversal timeline crisis thing, and they're being so serious about it. Whereas the Marvel, like the Marvels, is having fun with its big, you know, crazy stakes, uh, which aren't quite you know fabric of all reality levels, but it is you know like planets getting their atmosphere sucked out level of you know space stuff. But it it played more campy than uh, than like self serious, <clears throat> which I liked. Um, I should probably explain the plot because I'm I'm just kind of doing generalities right now. Um, Tell us the marvelous plot. Yeah. Okay. So more specific spoilers, which is probably fine because I feel like most people aren't going to bother to watch the movie. Maybe even well, hopefully when it comes to Disney Plus, you'll watch it because it's you know it's fun. Uh, but I don't blame anyone for not bothering to go out and see it. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, there, there is a new, you know, so Ronan the Accuser, the, the Kree dude with the hammer, um... Who got killed in a tragic dance-off. Yep. Yeah, he died, he was, like, a secondary villain in Captain Marvel. You know, the Kree Empire was, like, the main villain of that one. But, um, he, he, Ronan was also around. Ronan died in Guardians 1, um and has been replaced by this new lady who's got a big space hammer and um you find out over the course of the movie that so at, at the end of captain marvel which was back in the 90s uh carol you know had like returned to earth and gotten her memory back and realized the kree were the bad guys and said she was going to go back to hala the uh kree homeworld and destroy the supreme intelligence and you know fix that whole corrupt military Kree thing um and you find out over the course of the movie she did that like she went there and she killed the supreme intelligence and it kind of fucked everything up and led to a civil war that drained the resources from the planet so hala is like 
their sun is dying, their atmosphere is polluted, their oceans are dried up, like the whole planet is fucked. Um, but there's this new, I guess, accuser lady. I don't remember her name, honestly. But and and she's you know kind of another one of those like Marvel villains that is forgettable. But that's fine. You know, this is just a silly action romp. Um, she she's trying uh, she, she's trying to restore planet Hala by stealing resources from other planets although part of what she needs to do that she has this like uh, alien Kree technology bracelet which if you've seen Ms. Marvel you know is the second one of those because uh, Kamala Khan has the first one that somehow ended up on earth on a dead Kree that her grandmother found um so, so she's got one of the alien tech band thingies, and she needs the second one to unlock full power to uh, open up wormholes anywhere she wants to, you know, be able to like transfer things between planets. With just one, she can still, you know, make it happen. You know, open up a portal and send things to places, but it takes a little more work. Um, but yeah, so she she's trying to get the second one. She's trying to steal resources and stuff. Um, because of like the supercharging that she's doing on the bangle, it ends up doing somehow quantum entanglement. It creates a wormhole that um, Captain Marvel, you know, wherever in space she is, touches. She sees this weird wormhole and she touches it. Um, also, Monica Rambeau, who was a kid back in Captain Marvel one, and then in WandaVision, she walked through Wanda's chaos field thing and unlocked superpowers. Um, she is up in space because Nick Fury's got a space station and they're doing space stuff. Um, and then they see a wormhole and then she touches it. So because the two of them touch the wormhole and Kamala's got the bracelet, all three of them become quantum entangled in a way that makes it so if they use their powers, they swap places. So then there's just, you know, a lot of like comedy that plays out of that of, um, just unexpectedly, especially in like action scenes, there's a lot of like creative action scenes of whenever one of them uses their powers, whoop, two of them switch places, um, and so you know they're they're just getting like launched between different scenarios. Um, let's see what next. Yeah, that that seems more like a setup for comedy than uh, anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, a lot of the trailers, you know, played up the comedy, and people weren't really interested, and then, like, the most recent trailer played it as more like a traditional Marvel action thing to, you know, try to get people to come see it, because, you know, the, yes, there is a lot of comedy to it, especially with, like, like Kamala and her family and all there you know, uh, like, reactions to having, like, aliens suddenly show up at their house. Um, you know, they have a lot of fun with that. Um, but yeah, so like the, the three of them eventually have to meet up because they're all connected by this energy thingy. Um, and then they discover that the villain is, she's, her first target is she's trying to steal the atmosphere from a planet, another planet where some scrolls have settled. Um, 
And so they go there to stop her, but they can't, like, fully stop her, and a bunch of people die, but they rescue some of the scrolls. Um, and then her second target is she needs to steal water from a planet that's, like, 99% ocean, um, which it turns out is one that Captain Marvel's been to before, and it at some she's gone on some adventure where... She ended up marrying the prince of the planet, so she's technically a princess. And um, she's a of, Disney princess. Yeah, she is a princess, and all the people there communicate by singing. If you speak to them without singing, they don't <laughs> understand what you're saying. So they ha- there's okay. a whole musical song and dance sequence where like Captain Marvel gets like transformed into a princess dress. And is doing like song and dance with the prince to explain, you know, that they need uh, help to fight off the Kree lady who's going to show up and steal the water. Um, That's pretty funny. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, like a- after the whole like song and dance thing, uh, the prince just speaks normally, and they explain it's because he's bilingual, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he, can, he can speak without singing and understand people who talk without singing, but nobody else can. They they have to sing to them for you know you don't understand what they're saying so that's one of like the very silly sequences that was also just a lot of fun um and then yeah the kree lady shows up they try to fight her off but they can't and she steals a bunch of water um and they have to escape and then and there's also you know just like you know they have to like practice and learn how to you know be able to fight knowing that they're powers are going to make them swap places every time they try to do it so that there's like a training montage of them like all juggling in a circle and have to you know swap and try to keep the juggling going and like doing jump rope where you know they will just like swap and now somebody's swinging the rope and somebody else is jumping and stuff um also there's like a side plot uh goose the cat or flurkin who looks like a cat um, ends up on the space station with Nick Fury, and um, then there's these like weird blinds his other eye. No, but the, there's like these weird brain egg pod things that start popping up all over the station, and um, and then when the station comes under attack because it's the third target, uh, or Earth is the third target, but also the space station was there. Um, a bunch of the escape pods get destroyed and so they they're trying to figure out how to evacuate everyone and then it turns out all those brain egg things are actually like flurkin eggs and all these baby cats come out and then the other big silly amazing sequence is um and they show like a little bit of it in the trailer the, the they discover so all of these flurkin cats you know they have a pocket dimension inside them and they can like eat things with their tentacle mouths and store things in there and then spit them out later so the way that they have to evacuate the station is by feeding everyone on board to the cats so they can stuff all the cats in their reduced amount of escape pods um so there's just like people running and screaming while these tentacle cats are eating them and all the while memory from the musical cats is playing and it's amazing (laughs) It's just, just, <laughs> you know, these cats just going around gobbling everyone up. It's, it, it's the best. I, 
it, it's it's extra funny to me because I haven't seen the movie and I'm I'm imagining like the worst sung rendition of memory mm. <laughs> just well there's like a cat massacre happening yeah yeah just the cats gobble everyone up and then they put the cats in the escape pods and then launch the escape pods and then the cats spit everyone out when they get down to earth um but yeah the Cree lady shows up she you know blows up the sp- or damages the space station and then uh heads toward the sun because that's you know the other thing like the Hala's sun is dying so she wants to steal energy from the sun um and they have a big fight and defeat her um and then make a deal for Captain Marvel to use her powers to fix the sun uh like Hala's sun because it just needs a lot of energy and Captain Marvel has a lot of energy and she didn't think she had enough energy to recharge a sun, but apparently she does. Um, so, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, like, they do that, but then uh, Cree Lady turns on them and steals the other bangle. But then, in a you know, sort of Indiana Jonesy twist, having both of the bangles is too much for her body to handle, and she explodes. Um, and uh, but she did like rip open a wormhole to another universe and so they have to close it by like, everyone channeling all their power into monica who flies into the rift and closes the door but she's stuck on the other side of it so um so everyone's sad because she's like sort of dead but not really she's just you know lost in another universe now um she just and- turned into a ghost yeah, well, I mean, I guess kind of. Her power is that she can, like, phase through things like a ghost. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so so villain's dead. Uh, Captain Marvel still fulfills her side of the deal and uh, re- you know, recharges Hala's sun back into a yellow sun. Um, so everything there is fixed and better. Um, and they call Superman so he can restore order. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I heard, at least, I will say, in in this movie, you know, like, I've complained about Captain Marvel in past movies for having that issue of, like, a bad Superman story where they're so focused on the powers that they're, it's just not an interesting character. Um, yeah. And that's the thing that I really liked about this movie, that they, like, they let her be, you know, like more a human <laughs> yeah well i mean between like the banter she has with the other leading ladies and um uh, you know like in the past movies it, it always felt like she was just kind of arrogant that you know anyone anytime someone like challenges her on something she just you know shrugs it off and her whole arc in the first movie was people telling her she's not strong enough and it turns out actually she is and they're wrong um, this, this movie, uh, I, I get more of the impression she's just really bad at talking to people. Like, they explain the whole, the reason that she's been in space all this time and hasn't come back to Earth is in part because she's ashamed that when she went and killed the Supreme Intelligence, it fucked up the whole planet. And she's been trying well, to find I'm, a way to fix that so she can come back and, you know, not feel bad about all the damage she caused. So she's just kind of like. Did did she not think that 
like destroying the government <laughs> would cause chaos like uh, apparently yeah I, I mean yeah no she could because she fucked up a plan like, she feels ashamed about that and she just like there's just you know a lot of the interactions with her she it feels like she has more of a personality like she's kind of awkward around you know when it comes to like talking to people and expressing emotions that she, she's not good at that and she tries to avoid it and focuses on you know work and like solving problems and fixing things instead so like she felt more like a character in this than she ever has in any of the the other movies yeah. it was it was that sounds cool. good because yeah. she she was just kind of like super strong angry woman and yeah. like especially in endgame yeah yeah i feel like this movie kind of recontextualizes all of that then it's like she comes off that way because she just isn't good at talking to people and doesn't want to talk to people she just wants to focus on doing things she just wants to turn people into dinosaurs mm, if she could if that would fix the problem then yes um <laughs> i mean if it's to avoid talking to people yeah yeah um but yeah so so yep the the world is saved and the bad guys defeated um and then the mid-credits stinger is oh actually okay so there's at the end of the movie before the credits they do like a teaser stinger of uh kamal shows up well i think that it might lead into that eventually but um kamala (laughs) you're getting ahead of it uh first before that part uh kamala does she she does like a nick fury at the end of iron man one but also it's kamala and she's you know just being kind of a goof um of she's like waiting in the dark in kate bishop's house uh to you know ask her to join the young avengers basically she doesn't name the team but that's what it is they're setting up young avengers with you know kate bishop hawkeye from the hawkeye show and Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel, and whoever else they've set up for that. I don't know. They haven't even announced that as a movie yet, so who knows when that's going to happen. Um, It'll happen in eight years when everyone's already forgot about all the characters who were in it. Yeah, they've got too many projects going on. Um, but that, that's the thing they set up before the credits. The mid-credits stinger is Monica wakes up in this other universe... Um, sees a person she's like in a hospital she sees a person who looks like her mom who in her universe died of cancer um but this one she's you know still alive and healthy and uh and then like her mom stands up and is wearing like this spandex outfit who i i guess it's a character called binary i've I've never heard of them but um also the doctor there is kelsey Grammer's beast from x-men 3 uh, oh boy! <laughs> and so Monica is in the X Men Fox universe now, and with Deadpool three coming, that'll probably play into uh, you know how these universes are going to meet up. Like like the X Men Fox universe, I guess still you know now officially exists in the MCU. Yeah, but which one? <laughs> Uh, which which timeline? <laughs> well, I guess they'll have to sort that out in Deadpool because whatever you know, Deadpool three it uh, was filming and then the strikes happened and then it stopped and now the strikes have ended so it's going to start filming ahead of a release for next year. 
the rumored plot is that uh, at the end of Deadpool 2, he got that time travel device and went around doing all kinds of shenanigans. Uh, that yeah. caught the attention of the TVA from Loki, and so they've got him under arrest, but they're going to, you know, try to use his help to... Uh, I don't know. Some, they're like assembling a team of people to stop the Kangs or something, and that means going and getting Hugh Jackman and Wolverine, and then Deadpool sees an opportunity to team up with Wolverine. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see I, I am, how that plays out. But. I am very. Um, Cautious about that premise. Yeah. I mean, we've seen screenshots of Hugh Jackman in the yellow spandex Wolverine outfit. So, you know, and that, that, that was, you know, the whole premise that they announced is Deadpool and Wolverine team up. But, yeah, yeah it seemed possibly the TVA and the multiverse are going to be uh, factors in that movie. See, like, I... I like the TVA as a thing that exists in Loki. I don't mm. know if I really want to see it cross over with anything else. Because it's too big. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole retro 50s aesthetic feels weird outside of Loki, where, you know, they kind of had a point to it. Right. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I'm, I'm very much at the point where, like, I, I assume... I assume nothing will work until I see it work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was fully prepared to s just skip and wait on the Marvels, but the people I watch movies with, you know, I brought it up and they said they wanted to see it. And I'm glad I did, because it was, you know, I, I compare it to Ant-Man 3 and Thor 4 of movies that are silly and fun, and I like them a lot, but otherwise people, you know, just seem to shit on them. And I don't really understand it. I mean, I, 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 aside from just being exhausted with Marvel stuff in general, like they're not bad. They're they're fun. You know, it's it's not going to make you feel any emotions really if that's what you're looking for in a movie. But um, it's you know not terrible either. Unlike uh, the other new movie that I saw, um, which I, I, honestly I so the other movie I saw, I saw Blue Beetle finally. Um, came out back in August. The DVD just came out. All the reviews I'm I'd heard, about that had, one. yeah, all the reviews I'd heard had said it's fine. It's nothing special. So I I went in expecting that, like, okay, yeah, this will be at worst. It'll be like Black Adam, where it's like that movie was nothing, but I guess I kind of liked it. Um, and no, I I think it was worse than Black Adam. Um. It just, hmm. like, it, it is in a lot of ways, um, you know, just kind of your run-of-the-mill superhero movie, but um, it it leans so hard, like, so it, it, Jaime Reyes is Latino, American, um, and his family, like, I guess it's, I, I don't know, the, a lot of the stuff in there, I wondered, like, is this stereotype to the point of self-parody? Or... Because his family, like, they are very Latino. And they are... Like, they, they're just so fucking chatty. They can't shut the fuck up and let a scene happen without 
just quipping over the whole thing. Uh, they're intentionally obnoxious, but it's, you know, one of those things where it's like, yes, but they're family, and so they all love each other, even though they all annoy the fuck out of each other because they're so fucking annoying. Um, like, I don't know, I, just, I didn't like any of the... I, I, and I know I was in a bad mood when I watched it, and maybe that affected it, but I just, I found all the characters so annoying, and, like, the mo- the tone of the movie kept shifting between, like, you know, fun, wacky stuff to, like, and now we're having flashbacks to a guy whose parents were killed in Central America, and, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, just, I, I didn't like Blue Beetle at all. I thought it was bad, even though the reviews all said, eh, it's just another, you know, run-of-the-mill superhero movie. Yeah, I've, I've thought a similar thing when playing Spider-Man, um, where, like, do bilingual families, like, really just, like, change from one language to another mid-sentence? Mm. <laughs> Um, you know, like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I th- well, that's the thing. I don't know. Like, I, I, it's not a judge. It's more like a yeah. I mean, I was watching curiosity. with subtitles the whole time, so it yeah, kind of doesn't make a big difference. Yeah, but like, yeah, because like Blue Beetle, it felt like what they were going for is they're trying to be like, like how um, like Shang Chi was like, uh, you know, like Asian, you know, cultural representation in a superhero right. format. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to do, you know, like the Black Panther movies, or like, you know, Africa, uh, through the lens of superhero. Um, felt like they were trying to do Latino, and I, I guess they did that. It, it just, I don't know, I found the characters obnoxious. And yeah, and, and, like, yeah, and then the really... tone was just like sometimes it's like silly superhero stuff, but then there's like when Jaime's when the Blue Beetle first transforms him into you know Blue Beetle suit, it's like a horror sequence of like his clothes are melting off as this you know suit is like grafting itself into his body and like the the beetle on his back like leaps up and sticks him to the ceiling and all his family are like screaming because it's like. It's just, like, what the fuck? Like, pick a tone. <laughs> yeah, like, I I feel like you could play that scene for less or horror. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, it, it went, know, like, body it. horror in, you know, how he gets his suit, which, I mean, I don't know that much about Blue Beetle. I thought it was, like, yeah, maybe this, is, you know, a little bit of that when the beetle sticks itself to his back, but otherwise it, it's, like, an Iron Man nano suit where it just forms over right. his body. It doesn't have to like melt his clothes off and become a second skin for him. Right. Like the does it do that every time? Like, like I, I is he just in massive pain every yeah. time? He yeah. Transforms? I, I guess. I mean, like at the end of it, he was like complaining about like his favorite pair of shoes got destroyed because the thing like melted them off. That's really unsettling, actually. Mm. <laughs> oh, well. See, like I, I get. I get wanting to go in that direction because, it, like, oh, it's a f- foreign alien entity just, like, t- basically taking over his body. Yeah. Um, Although once it takes like, him over, it's it's like Iron Man, where there's, like, a 
friendly robo computer voice you know like doing ai you know telling them like oh you've got two enemies behind you um that's kind of weird yeah yeah it's you know um yeah I feel like this is not the time for DC to try to do freaking Blue Beetle. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and that's the other thing is that like if if any of these DC like this year's DC movies, if any of them were even good, uh, it wouldn't matter because they're about to reboot the whole thing. So that's you know why nobody really gives a shit about them, and we'll like we'll see with Ant or not when Aquaman. Um, when that new one comes out if anybody cares to go see it but even if they do they're just gonna you know reboot all of it so any you know setup they do for like a future movie isn't gonna matter and superhero movies have become so much about that largely that it's really hard for them to just stand on their own and be a good movie on their own without setting up either sequels for itself or for something else like I think See, the that, Batman that's, is that's the, the only superhero movie from the last like three or four years that yeah. does that. That is just a movie I mean, on its own and not trying to be a universe. I was about to say like there's the Batman and the Joker. Yeah, and like those are those are the only vaguely DC connected things that really um, can stand on their own. Yeah. And like even even with like uh, Shang Chi, it's like okay, we're connecting it back to Iron Man three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Wong shows up for like Wong and Abomination show up for really no reason. Yeah. Um, no, like all the Marvel movies, even the yeah, even like Eternals was mostly standalone and also bad, but mostly standalone. But it's still like all all the Marvel stuff is so interconnected that. You know, none of them really feel like they exist on their own. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we got Morbius. I guess that's another recent superhero movie that... But no, no, because Morbius also ends with the Vulture thing of, like, we're going to do some kind of crossover. Um, I, I can't wait for the next Sony like non Spider-Verse Sony movie to come out and just completely bomb again. Uh, you mean Craven? That was supposed to come out in October yeah. but it's been delayed till next year. Yeah. Yeah, so much for that brand synergy with the Spider-Man 2 game, right? Yeah. It's isn't it amazing that the video game came out maybe not on original schedule. I think it was delayed, but um like it the the movie got delayed further further than the game mm. that they wanted to release at around the same time. That's just funny to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess Spider Verse is the other like, you know, big recent superhero movie that is just a thing on its own and not trying to be a universe, even though it is yeah. like a universe in itself. Yeah, even though now they're connecting it to. Like it, it seems like they're trying to do more direct connections to it, which mm. might make it fail. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like I, I think as long as the main creative forces behind it don't leave, it'll be all right. But like, don't don't add more baggage to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's already got enough. Yeah. <sighs> um. Okay. Let's see. 
I mean, because I guess still on the superhero topic, there was also Loki Season 2 just wrapped up. Um, And I think it was generally good, but I just wasn't... Like, the, the whole multiversal timeline all of reality type stakes it just feels too big to care about um yeah you know like like spoilers for the last episode of loki involves him at first he's like he i I, the first half of the episode i liked because it was almost like a groundhog day sort of you know there's the moment of like the end of the fourth episode um, the, there's this, uh, like, outside of the TVA, there's this big series of rings in space that they call the Temporal Loom, that all of the timelines, um, get, like, threaded through, and it's been getting overloaded because now that the timelines are being allowed to branch out, there's too many of them, and the loom can't take it, and it explodes and seemingly kills everyone, but... Loki has throughout the season been time slipping where he can you know, he, he learns how to control it he he can be like in different points in time he, you know like time self time travel i guess um he you know since he learns to control it the first half of the last episode he spends time traveling back to uh, to um try to like learn everything he needs to know you know like predict any potential mistake to you know, they had this like f- idea of how to fix the loom it's like there's this device that victor timely who's a version of kang um came up with that will let the rings expand so they can handle more timelines so but in order to get it to the loom, you have to like load it into a cannon. But getting to the cannon means going outside in all the time radiation that turned Victor Timely into spaghetti every time that he tried to go through it. Uh, so Loki has to like figure out how to prevent that from happening, and he's like time looping, trying to you know prevent this and you know let them fix the thing. Um, eventually, it does work. They expand the loom, and it still blows up. So he goes back to He Who Remains, that version of Kang, and finds out that the loom is, like, the last failsafe to protect the sacred timeline. That if timelines branch out too much, the loom will just pare them back down. So, the loom is doing its job. So, the choice becomes either kill Sylvie so that she doesn't kill He Who Remains so that the sacred timeline can continue to exist and there won't be a multiverse or a multiversal war because of the Kangs. Or um, to blow up the loom and lead to an inevitable multiversal war and everything going fucking nuts. Um, So he ultimately decides to blow up the loom and... um, and then he like walks out into the time energy shit and goes like full loki god mode and is like grabbing strands of time and charging them with his god energy and twisting them all together and makes a giant tree that he's like sitting at the base of now and i guess it's all like a big metaphorical thing for uh 
him being like a god of time now or something like that that's the point where the episode lost me that it's like <laughs> what's happening here is so big and like metaphysically weird that i i can't feel the emotions of it anymore um so it's like okay i guess next time there's a time travel story we'll see if loki has any input because he's like sitting at the base of all the timelines now whatever the fuck that even means you try to wrap your head around it and it won't make any sense because what even is any of this yeah it's it sounds kind of like kingdom hearts where it's like okay i understand that they just did a thing but i don't know what the implications of this of this thing are at all yeah yeah exactly that just a lot of big pseudo science not really scientific just like science magic that's happening and it means something probably but i'm not exactly sure what or why or how any of it makes sense yeah but it's Lucky very self-serious about you know there's just like dramatic music as he's reaching out and grabbing I, I guess like a timeline whatever this weird energy rope is he's like grabbing an entire timeline and charging it with energy and twisting it into another around another timeline so they can all exist in a tree shape like I don't know yeah so what even is a timeline what is time what what does any of this mean how do you grab a timeline <laughs> How, how are what you seeing timeline? Authority? You know, it was one thing when they were looking out a window and seeing a bunch of energy strands, and those are all representing the branching of time. But how does a person, a single person who is a god? I mean, they've always called them gods, but they're they're Norse gods, and they're more just like immortal people. Um, so how does he reach out with his hands and grab an entire? flow of time i i don't know yeah i mean they they still haven't really answered what a god means in uh marvel terms yeah it's, it's like he you know he goes from standing in a room full of people who are also just people with technology that lets them you know travel to points in time and set off some kind of bomb that somehow cuts off that entire branch of reality from how it's like it blows up all of that part of existence except you also know that it doesn't because it just takes every i guess all of the matter in that universe and drops it at the end of the timeline and that's where the big cloud monster eats everyone um like the more you think about it the less sense any of it makes <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's it doesn't even seem like it's a, a metaphorical thing. Yeah, uh, it just seems like here's some techno babble bullshit. Yeah, uh, yeah, just like weird pseudoscience magic stuff that's happening, and yeah. maybe they'll it'll mean something sometime. I guess I don't know. I will watch season two just because I I like the first season and uh, there's something to grab onto at least. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, like, the characters so. are fun. I really like, they had, um, Kihi Kwan, the, he played, like, Short Round in Temple of Doom. Um, yeah. And he, you know, had his big comeback last year with everything everywhere all at once. And he gets to play, like, a fun, uh, scientist mechanic type guy who's been, like, living in the basement of the TVA. And so he's the one they have to go to to figure out, like, find out about the time loom and how it works and what's going wrong with it and how can they fix it. Yeah, it 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 just sounds really weird. Yeah. Uh, it, it might be more digestible in context over, like, you know, a 50-minute episode or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's still really weird. But, you know, like, the show... <laughs> it, I, Doctor Who is one of the big influences of the show, and it's very much that sort of, like, science bullshit, you know, stuff that just, they write enough of it to justify whatever strange time shenanigans are happening, and, uh, and then hope you are willing to just go along with it and not ask any more questions. Yeah. I've also been binging a lot of Doctor Who because of... I think I'd mentioned it last episode. Because of the Magic the Gathering decks of Doctor Who cards, I started watching the show to um, try to get some context for that. So, I've watched all... Did you get any context? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, for some of them. You know, it's like, oh, I recognize this child with a gas mask. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that, so that's what that one's all about. It was weird. Um, but, you know, I, I watched all the Chris Eccleston episodes. Um, I generally liked those. You know, they were pretty good. Um, I'm on, like, season three of David Tennant, and it's starting to get to the part where I can see, like, because I remember the last, you know, couple times I've watched it, thinking, like, it looks low budget in a way that is distracting. Um, so I was surprised, like, when I watched the Eccleston, like, the, f the first, you know, couple seasons of Tenet, I didn't really feel that way. You know, I thought, like, oh, maybe, maybe, uh, my, uh, expectations have lightened up enough that I wasn't bothered by how kind of low-budget everything looks. Um, but now that I'm on season three, I can see it again. And I think it's something, like, they slightly improved their cameras in a way that makes them look worse. It's like they've got like, you know, kind of, I guess, hmm. like crisper camera images that make everything look more fake. Like it feels like everyone, you know, if someone's in front of a green screen, you can tell. Um, and if someone's in front of a set, like, I don't know, maybe it's something with the lighting that they just like overlit things in a way that it all feels just really fake now. Um, I, I'm not sure what it is. But it, it, I, I, I can tell like, some, something has changed. Uh, also, the, the music budget must have gone up because they are just going crazy with the orchestral music now <laughs> in a way that they weren't before. It's like kind of stealing attention from the rest of the show, how hard the music is going. So yeah, that, that makes it sound good to me because... Mm. <laughs> just like really really crazy orchestral music in the middle of like whatever time bullshit's going on yeah yeah i don't know i mean i'll probably keep because i still need you know i, I want to know you know like uh 
who some of these other companions are, what Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi and Jody Whitaker's doctors are like. Um, you know, it feels like I, if I knew what the good episodes were, I might just skip ahead to those. Um, but also, I guess it's just every there's like thirteen episodes a season, I think. You know, like twelve or thirteen usually, and each one is you know around an hour long. So it's a lot to watch. And watching all of it has given me, you know, context for, like, the ups and downs of the show. But, you know, it, it's it's so much to watch. Because, yeah, the, that, some of the episodes are just big stinkers. And then when I go and complain about them on Media Box, people are like, oh, yeah, that episode, that's one of the bad ones. So, yes, I remember the Blowjob Slate episode. <laughs> context now. Yeah, okay. Uh, so the blowjob slate episode is, um, it, it's, it's this weird episode where it, at first it starts off feeling like, oh, this is going to be a clip show because the, it's not about the doctor. It's about just some random guy who's like talking into his webcam about, um, you know, times the doc, like he's, he's become like an online conspiracy theorist of like. You know, the, the doctor was here at the time when the alien spaceship showed up in London and smashed Big Ben. And it's like showing clips from past episodes. And I thought, okay, yeah, they're just going to have like a guy in front of a webcam and then we've got like clips of other episodes. Um, but then he like meets up uh, with other online conspiracy doctor people. And then they, they're all just like having fun together. You know, they're like going to karaoke together and stuff. You know, they 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 they, just, they bond around this shared interest that they had, um, and then there's this kind of official you know ish like, guy in a suit who shows up to coordinate their efforts, and he's you know some kind of like government official type, um, and then one by one they start disappearing, and it turns out that the guy in the suit is actually an alien who, when he transforms into his alien form, is basically fat bastard. He's just a guy in a gross <laughs> fat suit who eats people. Like, if he touches someone, he can absorb their entire body into his body. And then they just become like a face gross. on his fat, gross belly that's like talking. Um, and so then it's down to just like the main guy, and he's getting chased by this, you know, fat bastard alien. And then the doctor shows up and, uh, like, does something that destabilizes the molecules of the alien and he turns into a puddle on the ground. But all his old friends are, you know, since they were absorbed, they are basically dead. Um, but then it turns out that the one who you like, fallen in love with, she was the last to be absorbed and she's not fully gone yet. And the doctor is able to, like, isolate her face onto a stone tile on the ground that the guy then takes home with him. So he just has his girlfriend's face on a tile, uh, and the, there's an implication that she gives blowjobs. So that that's the blowjob oh, no. slate. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's a thing. Why? Why is, why is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. This show is weird. That That's one of the weirder episodes, but also the show is very weird. They just... Like, I guess that's one of the good things about it. It's, it's really creative with how weird it gets, but, yeah, it's just it's weird. Yeah, that that's a, that's a, that's a no-no. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, apparently that episode was fan written. Oh, oh, was it? That <laughs> <laughs> are you sure that? <laughs> maybe, maybe they were just deflecting the blame. <laughs> I mean, it was a fucking self self insert. <laughs> I have a blowjob floor mouth. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh my god. I don't. I don't want to think about that one anymore. Uh, I. I kind of. I kind of hate you forever <laughs> for, <laughs> for making me know that. Well, I guess the episode is called like "Love and Monsters" or something. If you want to look it up and get better context. No. It's weird, I, I stupid, low-budget sci-fi shit. I absolutely will not. <laughs> um, let's see. Also, Doom Patrol had its series finale. It was pretty good. It kind of felt like the big conflict of the season just kind of ended on its own. The heroes didn't really have to do anything to stop it. It just uh, immortus the... Uh, I, I get. I don't know. Alien. Whatever. The the the, the villain of this this season was like this cosmic ish thing called a mortis that ends up taking over the body of a woman who was like a rival actor to Rita and and uh, you know she she ends up teaming up with the the butts which are these um, alien. Well, not alien. They're just, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of weird shit in this show. There are butts that have legs and eyes, and they sing out of their buttholes. And, um, and they end up working together to put on a really good musical. And so her shit is solved, and the heroes didn't have to do anything to fix that. And then she nice. gives them, uh, like, fingernail clippings that they can eat that will give them their immortality back that she had drained from them. Um... But then it's too late to save Rita, and she's already dead. But her ghost shows up, and you know has to you know tell them all it's okay. I I don't want to come back. I want to pass on. I think you'd all be better off going your separate ways because uh, being together is just kind of bad for all of us. Um, and then yeah, everyone kind of gets their own emotional catharsis from you know resolving their stuff and like some of them are touching some of them are, yeah okay um we got six main characters uh, two of them go off and have gay romances two of them die and two of them just go and live their dreams and yeah i don't know like i don't know how you end a show like that anyway so i guess it's impressive that they found a way to end it yeah that that actually <laughs> Aside from the gay romances, that actually sounds exactly like Endgame. Mm. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, these die, these get happy endings, these get sad endings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there was, like, um, you know, Larry's whole issue, was, you know, he was, like, closet gay, um, but he was in the military and he couldn't come out with it. Um, and he, you know, had this, like, alien energy spirit thing inhabiting his body, and, and then he, like, met another guy this season, and I think that guy died, but then they brought him back to life, and, uh, but anyway, they get together, uh, up in space, um, and Jane, you know, finally comes to terms with her trauma, and all of her, like, disassociated personalities 
are working together enough that they, like, are all active at the same time now. There's no more, like, switching between them. Um, and then she ends up having a romance with a lady who I, I think was... I don't know what she she's she's like a comic book character who I think Dorothy brought to life with her magic powers. She's just like she can make things real and she was reading a comic book and she made this comic book lady real and then so she goes off and has a gay romance with Jane. Uh Rita died of old age before they could restore her youth and decided she'd rather just stay dead and then they have a a funeral and they go to burn her body but then it, it just it doesn't quite work right, you know, the the body, because she's like a shapeshifter, her body starts like expanding like a balloon, and it's, it's like, gross and funny and irreverent, which is a lot of the show anyway, that, you know, like, they're having a moment, but also it's a joke. Um, uh, that sounds hilarious. And then Cliff has kind of a more touching ending, where it's like, you know, his, his whole life was, you know, just him being kind of shitty but trying to do better and he goes back to uh like spend time with his daughter and grandson and he was given this like crystal that he looks inside of and it lets him see his entire grandson's life and his grandson is as much of a fuck up as he is you know like he gets a woman pregnant and runs out on her and then eventually like, comes back and meets his daughter and tries to be a better grandfather than he was you know a father because he was a deadbeat and and so yeah it's like cliff gets to see his you know grandson's life playing out in a similar arc to his own and and then he just dies of old age um you know at peace with you know seeing that you know what his grandson's future is um and that it all you know as you know messed up as it is it all works out eventually um and uh see uh cyborg um goes and becomes like a teacher um at like a you know like uh i I don't know if they said it was a class it kind of felt almost like an after school computer club kind of thing he's like co-teaching computers and technology and and stuff and uh you know, not as focused on the direct crime fighting as he is on, like, just, you know, helping the next generation to, uh, you know, be better, I huh. guess. Um, and then Rita, not Rita, um, she, Madame Rouge, um, goes and burns down the ant farm, which is the, uh, government agency where, you know, they're, like, rounding up all the, any, any weird things... They, they like round them up and imprison them and do weird science shit you know black ops tests on them uh yeah, she burns that whole place is that down. where the butts come from yep. yeah yeah the butts escaped from oh, there cool yeah now if you you know the clips of like the butts running through the hallways like that's the ant farm cool yep um i like the one thing they did mm. if they could if they could have stayed going in that direction that would be cool uh, oh, what, the, the musical number where they all sing Shapoopy? Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's where <laughs> they end up, because, like, season three and four, there was a whole thing of, like, future zombie butt apocalypse. Um, that is averted, <laughs> and then 
the the butts at first are gonna have like a revolution and tear down society um but then the you know one of them had had like a romance with the scientist lady who taught them how to sing and they together convince all the other butts to become a singing troupe and then they team up with a mortis who just wants people to love her and pay attention to her and they go off and have a big entertainment career so you know singing and dancing butts is how they're their story arcans. Nice. I I like it. I haven't seen the show, but I I love it. Mm. Yep. I did I did see th- I did see that one part because you talked about it uh, a few episodes ago. Yeah. I was like, I gotta see this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first two seasons, like all all the seasons are really good. Uh, first two seasons are like emotionally a lot like darker and. A little harder to get through because there's just so much emotional weight even when there's like weird and silly and funny things happening like uh flex mentalo the guy who at one point flex he can flex his muscles and it makes you know people do things like influences people or it causes you know things to happen um and at one point he you know flexes his muscles and causes everyone to orgasm Okay, it, and then yeah. it—it's a come together moment, is how they put it. Shut the fuck. Yeah, you shut your fucking. Yeah, that mouth. is directly from the show. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seasons three and four. You know, once enough of the characters' trauma has been processed by that point, that it's more fun than it is dark. Um. I don't know. The, the whole show is good, it, but it, it can be a rough ride at times. Mm. And that's pretty. Like the only other thing. Oh, sorry. Hmm? I can't get. I can't get over it. <laughs> Fucking cut. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Cause the only other topics I had. I mean, the new Magic: The Gathering set came out, and whatever. I updated my pirate deck, but I talked about that last week. Um. And what was that other thing? Uh, oh yeah, the Venture Brothers movie. Um, I'd heard it recommended, so I bought it and I watched it. And they gave you a digital copy that you haven't watched yet. And I feel like maybe no. when you do, you'll have more to say than I do because I've only I, I've seen I watched all the episodes when we watched them for the show, and I've seen other episodes on TV before, but I never really paid that much attention. So the the movie just it kind of feels like a 90 minute episode of the show um like it has some it, it wraps up some of the mysteries of the show of like how are dr venture and the monarch related and who is um the boy's mother um those are you know a couple of the big mysteries that are driving the plot and they resolve them by the end uh but otherwise, it's just, you know, another, like, long episode where stuff happens. Yeah, I mean, all I want is just some kind of closure. Mm. Um, because the you didn't really get it in the show. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then, like... Kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah, where the show ended, Dean was on the run, and they, you know, deal with that and resolve that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's not the type of show where, like, you need to know, like, all the ins and outs of everything. 
Um, but if you pay attention, like every character goes through like eight orcs <laughs> over the course of the show. Mm. Uh, so, uh, some more than others. Like, I mean, you know, Brock doesn't change that much. He just cares a little more, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but. But yeah, I, I, w- I wish I had watched it, but I wanted to get back on the Disney train. Yeah, um, yeah. because I had I had no motivation, um, considering the era of Disney uh, that we're in. Yeah, yeah. Now we can move on to that and talk about Venture Brothers next time. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I stopped in October at. A very bad, <laughs> a very bad on, point on the edge of the cliff. Yeah, right, right, right on. Like brother, brother bear is like the first drop. Um, mm. Where like it's too deep to climb up, but then there's a huge drop off right after. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I I had stopped in October to watch a bunch of Halloween uh, stuff. Well, but now here we are uh, at friggin' Brother Bear, which is... Yep. It's good, but it's also boring. Um, Guy turns into a bear and has a brother who's a bear, but also he had a brother before he was a bear. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just the 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 classic hero's journey of uh, Endless. guy uses bear to kill brother, yeah. um, and then his brother turns him into a bear. Um, well, he he accidentally kills his brother with a bear. Yep. He goes to hunt the bear for revenge for killing his brother. Uh, he kills the bear, but then his brother, uh, who is a, a an eagle spirit, um, turns him into a bear. Um, and then his other brother, who tried to stop him from taking revenge on the bear, um, tries to take revenge on on the main guy, who is now a bear, uh, mm. no, because he, he thinks that he's the bear who killed both of his brothers. Is it a better Native American story than Pocahontas? Um... I do not know. Mm, I guess um, we'd have to actually like find a Native American and ask them how they feel about Pocahontas and Brother Bear. At least Pocahontas better. touches on, um, you know, the genocide, even mm. if, even if it doesn't have the balls to actually follow through. Well, yeah, I guess because that, um, that one's got the history. I mean, Brother Bear, you know, having like the spirit animals I, and stuff seems like maybe yeah, that's I, more focused on the culture on its own instead of the clash with yeah. the white men yeah but see like the the thing is i don't know if the whole spirit animal thing is like a a whitewashed version mm. of like the actual belief system or not yeah. so i can't really say one way or the other um because it, it it does seem like a very tokenized version of it but also yeah. that that might it might be accurate i just don't know enough mm. um how was the phil collins not as pronounced as tarzan and also not as good 
Yeah, I mean, I've seen Brother Bear one. Brother Bear is one that I did not watch back when it came out, but I did watch it a couple years ago, and I remember thinking it was okay. Yeah, it, it's it's fine. Like it, it's like I said, it's good, but it's it's good like a six out of ten. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, like hey, I wouldn't mind watching this um, with my nephew. Yeah, but. You won't. In any other context, I would not be watching this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like with the uh, with Tarzan, like you got the full Phil Collins treatment, right? Like he's he's screaming out, um, kind of screaming out like like the feelings mm. that's going on with the animation, but still, like it, it's it it works. Um, in, in Brother Bear, it's just kind of there. Um, like, like when they get to the Bear Festival, it's like, he's basically just saying like, hey, we're having a cool, fun bear time. Uh, it's like, yeah, okay. Mm. Thanks, Phil. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I, I kind of got into the plot, but really it, it's just the guy's a bear now. Um, and his brother is trying to kill him because he thinks he's the bear who killed him. Mm. Um, but then he finds the the main guy as a bear finds another little bear cub. Yeah. Um, basically adopts him as his brother reluctantly. Um, until eventually he finds out that the bear he killed uh, was the the cub's mom. Um, and then there's a there's a, a big sad moment where he's like, oh no. <laughs> hey kid, I accidentally killed your mom. <laughs> Before I was a bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he tells the story like, okay, look, first of all, I didn't know you guys were sapient. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I thought your mom yeah. killed my brother, so, you know, it's yeah. just the cycle of revenge. One day you'll grow up and I you'll mean, kill me and... And that's just how it goes. <laughs> it's the circle of life, but not that yeah. one. It's the circle of revenge. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the circle of revenge. Uh, eventually, uh, my grandson will kill your uh, grandson. Um, and then your great-grandson will kill my grandson. Yeah. And then it'll all start all over again. Yeah. Yep, just revenge killing forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, nature's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and a Disney logo. And, and that's the movie. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But at at the, at the end, um, his eagle brother, his dead eagle brother, turns him back into a human, just long enough for him to to tell his brother, like, "Hey, look, um, <laughs> I know this is weird, but like, this bear is my adopted brother, and I know you're my real brother, but like, I killed his mom, and he needs me, so I'm gonna go back to being a bear." Mm. <laughs> And his brother is just like, oh yeah, I totally get. It. <laughs> well, yeah, now that he's an eagle, I guess he's like, I, we don't yeah. have to be humans anymore. Yeah, and then, and then at the at the end, um, 
they're having the whole like manhood ceremony <laughs> and the guy just walks up to the rest of his uh, tribe like as a as a bear <laughs> and his his alive brother who's telling the whole story is like and that was the story of a boy who became a man by becoming a bear <laughs> and I couldn't fucking help myself <laughs> that was the funniest shit I ever heard uh, like it's it's all right like it the the canadian moose are fun mm. um like it's it's just it's disney light yeah you know like th- there were no hard hitters <laughs> but it, it's a it's a decent time mm. it, it's yeah unlike um the next one yeah, Home on the Range sucked. Yeah. Like, I say it sucks. It's the most generic it, movie. It's a made-for-TV movie that somehow became a theatrical movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like a aside from some of the animation and the music and the villain. Like, it's. Like, like yeah. the villain, yeah, was, the, the villain's fun. Yeah, just a fun twist on because it's like, you know, the the basic plot is uh, there's these cows and they're on a farm and the farm the, the the farmer lady who owns the farm owes a lot of money and the farm's about to be sold off, so they have to go get a bunch of money and that involves catching a bad guy who uh, has a bounty on his head that just happens to be exactly the same amount that they owe. Um, and, you know, it's like, oh, and he's a cattle rustler, because, of course, they're cows, so they're going to go hunt a cattle rustler. Um, and then the twist is, the the way he captures cows is by yodeling. He, he does this you know, whole song and dance yodeling thing to, like, Pied Piper mind control the cows. And that's how he steals yeah. the cows. It's not that he's just, you know, like a rough guy with a gang and they're, like, grabbing cows. He's kind of silly. Um and he's and then it becomes yeah. a whole conspiracy of like he's stealing all the cows to force people to sell their land so he can buy all the land so he can own all the land. Yeah, he's the. I'll, I'll put it this way: like his his villain song, like his yodeling, is the best part of the movie easily. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, like Alan Menken did the music, the only... and that's the only song that it feels like he wrote. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it was just, like, basic country, yeah. um, which, you know, like, is not exciting um, most of the time, but, yeah, like, it, the, I, I still like all of the music, it's, it's just not much of it is special, yeah. except for the, the yodeling song, um, and even then that starts to get kind of annoying yeah. <laughs> by the end of it, um, well, yeah, because like the, yeah, the first like time that. he does it, it's like actually an original song, and then later when he yeah. does the yodeling, it's just like classical music done in yodel form. Yeah, it it's it's not even all classical music. It's just like all public domain, yeah. um, like fucking Yankee Doodle <laughs> type shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, occasionally like classical music. Um. Yeah, otherwise, there's not 
much character. Like every every character has like one or two traits um, that they never break from through the whole movie. There's fucking Roseanne cow. Yeah, Roseanne is the just loud, sassy cow who's new to the yeah. farm because she's from another farm that already got sold off. Yeah, there's uh, Judy Dench cow. Yeah. Um, yeah, the prim and proper one. Uh, doesn't want any of this adventure ooh. nonsense, but yeah, you know, stiff upper lip. You gotta get the go get the money to save the farm. And then there's Jennifer Tilly cow, who is the, the, the weird third one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and then there's Buck the horse, yeah. who Cuba Gooding Jr. sounds he sounds like Cuba Gooding Jr. doing an impression of Chris Rock, yeah. uh, um, and he's he's a jerk until the end when yeah, he decides that the cows are the real heroes, even though they haven't done it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he's part of a subplot that there's this like Western gunslinger hero guy named Rico who. Uh, gets hired to go track down the, the same bounty that the cows are trying to get. And uh, Buck is like, oh yeah, Riku, he's a real hero. I want to, you know, he idolizes him. He wants to be his horse. But uh, Buck's a little too silly, and Riku dumps him a couple times and gets another horse. And then there's a twist. It turns out Riku's actually on the bad guy's payroll. And that's when Buck is like, oh, now I'm on the side of these other, these cows who are actually trying to capture the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's just really basic. Yeah. Um, like, uh, apparently it didn't get made during a writer's strike, but it felt like it did. Mm. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, like, they just needed content. Again. I don't know, because that yeah. was... That was the last movie before Chicken Little, where because like Chicken Little is when they were uh, about to lose Pixar, and they were you know, trying to pivot into CG because between Pixar and DreamWorks, like that's where all like the hype was. So they were trying yeah. to pivot into that on their own without Pixar's help, and it you know just fell apart for a couple of years until they. Bought Pixar and then brought like Lasseter and some of the Pixar creative people over to Disney Animation to get them back into shape. So yeah. they probably had a bunch of people like quit or something around you know the time uh, Home on the Range came out, and that's you know why yeah. they were declining for like five years. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about any other movies like. <clears throat> Aristocats, which is just unfinished, um, like Home on the Range and Chick. Like I, I haven't watched Chicken Little again yet, but I know that movie. Yeah. Uh, Home on the Range and Chicken Little is the worst back to back in Disney's history. Mm. Like easily, um, and that's why I watched Incredibles in between. Well, yeah, and as it, a palate and cleanser. And it came out in between, I think, didn't it? Yeah, the Incredibles. Home, Home on the Range and Incredibles both came out two thousand four. Yeah. Um, and when they come out the same year, I kind of just watch whichever one I feel like first. Like I, I'm not checking, you know, what month it came no. out. Um, Incredibles is fucking good though. Mm, yep. Uh, like it's really fucking good. I haven't, I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, 
and it, it's it's surprisingly like the most <laughs> adult and down to earth Pixar movie. Yeah. Somehow, uh, well, I mean, I haven't watched some of the recent ones, but no, I mean, it, it, um, it, I, I don't know. I, I know I would agree that it's definitely like, probably of all all the Pixar's and most, if not all, of the Disney's that it's like actually like you know like all the stuff with like mr incredibles like midlife crisis infidelity type stuff you know they they usually yeah don't get into that because you know the the movies are aimed at kids and also families they they're not gonna get as much into the issues that adults will you know uh identify with yeah yeah i mean like they 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 set up his um like going back to hero work as uh you know as like oh he's got a he's got a mistress uh, mm. that he's keeping secret yeah from his family um and i mean yeah i mean there's like there's the flirting with mirage but also yeah it's his like and that's what his wife is you know worried about is that he's cheating romantically yeah. on her but also you know, he does feel like he's cheating because they were all superhero or like you know him and his wife were superheroes and their kids have superpowers and they're right. not allowed to anymore because of rules and regulations and he's doing it anyway behind her yeah. back yeah it's it's like the it's one of the only ways you could breach that subject in a in a you know disney movie yeah. <laughs> um but uh, like and like, I was I was surprised by how engaging all the action scenes are. Um, like they they didn't skimp on any of it. Like the family drama is just like ten out of ten. The action is ten out of ten. Mm. Uh, like even like the comedy too is ten out of ten. Like it's just really fucking good. Yeah. Like I I I'd put it up there with like Lion King and Hunchback as. The, like the the best movies I've watched this year. Yeah. Um, like it, it just nails everything it wants to do. Like the the the, the world, like the theme of it, like the the fifties uh, retro fut- future technology. Um, Syndrome is fun as hell, mm. uh, while also being like legitimately threatening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like threatening. He's a utter bastard, but also you can like understand his motivation. It like makes sense yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, like it's it's legitimately fucked up that like our our heroes, you know, were just born with their superpowers. Yeah, and he's kind of on the sideline. Yeah, um, the, you know, like he tried to become part of the superhero world, and Mister Incredible rejected him, and yeah, you know. And older Mr. Incredible also, like, recognizes he rejected that's him. a mistake, but it's too late. Yeah, it, it's it's also just because like he was ten years old at the time. Yeah. Uh, it's like, hey, uh, this is a mime with bombs. Yeah. Uh, like y- you're gonna die. Just don't be here right now. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's probably the best Pixar movie. Um, yeah. I haven't watched a lot of them in a very long time, but. Damn, it's really good. If any of if any of the other Pixar movies are half as good as Incredibles, I'll be very happy. Mm. Uh, because the next Pixar like, one is Cars, which I think yeah. was 
uh, probably better not, than not people great. say, but it's you know still it it's just fine. Um, yeah. Ratatouille it has, has definitely hmm? cars is it's definitely better than what Disney was putting out at the time. Yeah. Um, oh but yeah, still <laughs> more, like more for Pixar's more. for Pixar standards, it, it was not it was not up to standard. Yeah. Yeah, like Ratatouille, I think has you know if if not, oh, I, I'd say overall it's probably really good. It definitely has some really strong moments. Um, Wally, the first half is really strong. The second half is fine. Um, up the first ten minutes are really strong, and then the rest of it is it's, it's there. Um, yeah, and like Toy Story Wally's three broke kind of people, but I don't know that it holds up quite as well. Yeah, like Wally, I like the first half when there's almost no dialogue, yeah. um, and all the people are just kind of annoying. Yeah, like the first half is you know like just a really like, beautiful minimalist um, story, and then it becomes a, you know satire yeah. farce. Yeah. Um, and then that that's. That's kind of it for like what I would say classic Pixar, right? Well, yeah, because after and Toy then... Story three is when they started shifting. Like they did Brave, where it felt more like they were doing a Disney movie, where Disney was doing Wreck It Ralph, that felt more like a Pixar movie. Yeah, and then yeah, then they, you know, they did like Monsters and then... University and Good Dinosaur and um, yeah, now they're kind of indistinguishable from Disney. Yeah. <laughs> More or yeah, less, like they, they, which is which is sad. Yeah, like Toy Story two, they did because they were forced to do it. Toy Story three, I guess they just had enough of an idea and did it. Um, the Cars sequels, they did because the Cars movies make money. Um, but also, they're just yeah, they've become like generally more open to doing sequels and open to doing movies where maybe the concept doesn't hold up as well as it did in the it, like a lot of their newer like I think Luca was Pixar but it doesn't feel like it it, it just is like a animated movie with kind of a weird art style yeah I think Inside Out might be the last one that feels like Pixar, at least that I've watched. Yeah, I mean, like, Soul tried to do the the classic Pixar idea of, like, let's take a weird concept of, like, looking at the world in a different way and try to do that. Um, but I don't think Soul worked as well as, uh... And I guess Onward kind... Like, Onward, it has the idea of, like, this is a, you know, fantasy world blended with a regular world but it's not really you know the the perspective focus that they were trying to do it's just you know a dead dad story um in this you know fantastical world so yeah i guess like inside out and you know soul tried to be you know the the thing people expect from a pixar movie of look at the world in a different way I guess elemental was yeah, like kind of that too. Yeah, it has it has the concept of a Pixar movie. Yeah, um, but then the at, story at they did wasn't really about that. It was an immigrant story yeah. 
through Pixar world building. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pixar as like the like the quality animation studio isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. Actually, DreamWorks has kind of been killing it more, mm. <laughs> like over the past ten years. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I've kind of lost track of what's DreamWorks and what's because 3D, like making decent-looking 3D animation, has become you know so much more widespread that it doesn't. Fe- like, it used to be, you know, there was Disney and there was DreamWorks, and then Illumination came along. Well, I guess Blue Sky came along first because like Ice Age was late 2000s. But the, yeah, there was like the Blue Sky and this Illumination, and there's all these other groups coming in and all of their stuff. You know, it, everything has you know the, they like tuned it up to the point that they could get like pretty realistic looking CG. But then once you start doing that, it stops feeling as cartoony. So then they dialed it back, and everything's now kind of in that middle zone of we've got some really good textures, but also we want big expressive eyes so it all kind of feels similar now between the different animation studios yeah it doesn't it it also doesn't help that as time goes on um like character models like they tend to get softer Mm um rounder yeah um like more, more of a homogenized like general art style than uh you know like shrek looks completely different than anything disney or pixar had made Mm. um it's all trending toward hello kitty i i mean i mean yeah it kind of is um because like you look at you you look at you know onward or, or um like wish mm. or or you know, you know like like some of the the more recent disney stuff and like just by looks like there's no huge difference <laughs> or or even between like uh what was that that sony movie that came out a year or two ago um abominable um, i know that's another one that i saw it and i'm like i don't know who made this one because it just feels yeah. like it could be anybody yeah, like like that. That's that's a better. Um, I think that one's DreamWorks. That, that's the one better. I heard was DreamWorks. Oh, really? Because just you could have told me that was Illumination or Blue Sky, and it feels the same. Yeah, but I mean, like the the same with the minions, right? Like just yeah, like little little round guys, little unoffensive round guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least I guess eh. Illumination. I can kind of tell if something is theirs because. They tend to be like a little more on the cartoony side, and they have some crazy little loud, cute, marketable creature that goes yeah. around doing antics. In the Mario movie, it was Toad, which at least it, makes sense. Yeah. I should watch that. Mm. It's coming to Netflix soon, I think. It's been on okay, Peacock, but I think I heard it's coming to Netflix like next month. Maybe I'll watch Mario and Cyberpunk Edge Runners mm. <laughs> again. Back to back. I, love, I fucking love that show. 
Mario gets a metal arm and he squeezes Bowser's head until it turns into blood. <laughs> well, Bowser's singing about uh, peaches. <laughs> I I I haven't seen the movie, but I've I've seen like eight different versions of uh, Jack Black singing that, and it's it's better every time I watch it. Mm. Like there, there's the live action one <laughs> where he's just in like a little Bowser suit, uh, uh, like at a piano, just belting it mm. out. Yeah. Mm. I'm done. I don't have anything yeah, else. Yeah, that's, that's it for those. Um, yeah, because mostly I, I've been binging a lot of Doctor Who because it's long and there's a lot of it. Um, and playing a lot of Skyrim. Uh, I got my pickpocket, pickpocket and stealth up to maximum. Um, which, you know, in order to get the pickpocket all the way up, I ended up just like... I went to Riften at night and I was just being a little gremlin. You know, like I'd sneak up to someone, save, reach into their pockets, grab all their items, and then just dump them all on the ground right in front of them, and then move on. Didn't do that to the next person, and they would, you know, they they didn't pick their stuff up. They just let it sit there on the ground. So it's like just walk up to a guard, like gonna take your sword and your bow and your shield and, and drop them all on the ground in front of you and move on. Oh no, I dropped my pants. <laughs> well, so you have to get pickpocket up to maximum before you can steal clothes off of people. Which was you know, my main goal in getting the pickpocket up all the way, is I wanted to go uh, to my spouse and make her change outfits. Uh, and then it turned out I couldn't, because I, I married a priestess of Debella, and NP- non-combat NPCs can't change clothes. Unless, I mean, maybe in, like, PC version, if you have console commands, you can do that. But on the Switch version, you can only... If if it's someone who's wearing armor, you can change them. So, all of my house carls, I've taken their armor away and given them either Forsworn or Fur armor. Um, Which they then don't wear unless they're following me around, so they just, like, sit around in their underwear now. Let's be real, Jade. If you were playing on PC, you'd have a naked mod installed anyway. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I like the the fur bikinis. <laughs> okay, so you're more into some... fetish shit than nudity. Yeah, I mean, I still I haven't got this like a dark seducer outfit. I guess that's like a new armor set. I've found some pieces of it, but I haven't found the body piece of it. But also, I've got my forsworn armor tuned up to flawless now, so I'll probably just keep wearing that. Did you find the foreskin armor, though? No, I, I don't think that mod is in the Switch version. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you think about it, foreskin is just a little armor. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. I, I apologize. Yeah, I, I tuned up those skills, uh, trying to get my lock picking up to maximum so that... I can uh, actually return the skeleton key that I said I was going to take back to the shrine. I've just been holding on to it so I can pick locks without breaking lock picks. But once I have maximum, I can get the perk for that. Um, otherwise, I've been trying to get my smithing up so I can tune up armor. I've got all my armor pieces up to flawless and my swords up to flawless. Yeah, I... 
I wish I liked Skyrim because like the the people who like it seem to like really adore mm. it. I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I mean this run has been more of like a sandbox than uh, a story because the main story is not interesting. So I just you know when when they said to go up the mountain and talk to the graybeards, I still haven't done that. I've just been you know going around like tuning up my skills and you know getting how like so I I married that priestess and we were at the house in White Run, which I figure like it's nice because it's you know convenient. It's between a couple shops, and on my last file from like ten years ago, I had built up the lakeside house down by Falkreath and um that one it's a nice house and I do I, I built it up again on this one uh, I'm still trying to get a couple medallions so I can complete all the shrines but um but the problem is because that house is out there in the woods it will just like randomly spawn like you walk out your door and there's a dragon and and that doesn't seem like a safe place to keep a family so uh, I just keep armor and stuff there. Like, all my crafting stuff is at that house. But, um... <laughs> no, I, I didn't want to move her to that house. Um, but then I got... There's... Because this is, like, the anniversary edition, there's some extra stuff that's been added. Including... The, there, there's a house up in the mountains that I had marked on my map because apparently I'd started the quest for it, but I don't remember doing that. I just... it You get a letter from someone... Um, which I'd forgotten about. I didn't even really read it. So I just, I went there because it's like, there's a thing on my map. So I went to it. It's this big, cool house. Uh, there was a lady out front in the stables. Uh, I went up and talked to her and, you know, it gave me like dialogue options. And so I said, I got your letter. And she's like, okay, let's do this. And took her sword out. And I fought her and killed her. <laughs> and I guess the, the letter was basically like, I... I want to die in battle, and if you kill me in battle, you can have my house. So I just walked up to her, and we fought, and I killed her, and now, and now I have her house. And it's it's this really big house. It's really cool. It's like it's got a it's a win win. Yeah, it, it, you know this because I bought the tundra house that was similar, but that one's like there's a basement that has like room to store all the dragon claws and all the masks and all the collectible stuff. Um, but the basement is a separate room, so it loads separately. With this house, it has that same kind of basement, but it's all connected, so there's no load screen. So it's like, and then there's just you know, armor racks and all, all all kinds of cool stuff. So I decided to move Senna, my wife, up there. Uh, and then after that, I'm like, well, I guess we can adopt kids now because we're going to be in a house that has room for that. So I adopted a couple orphans off the street, um, and then I went up to the house and talked to Santa, and I'm like, how are the kids doing? She's like, what the fuck were you thinking bringing us to a house in the woods? There's, like, wolves and dragons and shit outside. <laughs> um, so then I did... That's why I got kid-shaped armor. Yeah, because yeah, it's like, well, you don't have to go outside. The house is really nice, but I guess she didn't like it. So I did some Googling and found out the house she's happiest with is... Um, the mansion up in solitude and i had enough money to buy that and fully furnish it so i moved her and the kids over to there and they're happy now because the 
They got lots of space to go and run around, but it's all inside of a castle city, so they're not being attacked by anything. Um, sometimes the kids ask me for money, and since I have so much money from just buying and selling, or like looting and selling stuff, and also just stealing stuff, I, I just give them like a hundred gold every time. I could give them more, but it feels like spoiling them to give them a thousand gold, so I, I give them a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta make them work for yeah, the rest. I mean, a hundred is enough to be like, this is a lot of money, but it. Um, you can buy eight cheese wheels. Like, with like that. Th this is enough money to definitely buy anything you want to get, and also prove that your other mom is rich, but uh, not so much that uh, you know. Like, I feel like I'm really losing money by you know, giving too much of it away. <laughs> you know. The, the real sign of wealth is when you have two moms. <laughs> or, like, I think we've got, like, five now. <laughs> Wait, so you've got to hire them? Well, because I've got, I've got a house in Whiterun. I've got the Tundra house. I've got Hendraheim, which is that mountain house. I've got Proudspire Manor in Solitude. I've got Honeyside in Riften. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's five now. And there's... At least three, two or three more, I think, that I could get. That I could probably just go buy. I mean, any of the ones in towns, you have to go impress the thane of the town. Or not the thane, the, um, whatever the name for the lord of the town is. You have to go, like, impress them enough. A jarl? Yeah. yeah, you have to go impress the jarl, and then they make you a thane, and then they say you can buy property, and then you can buy the house there. Can you impress them with just like ten thousand dollars? Uh, you would think so, but no. They usually want you to do something like, you know, do a certain number of quests in that city, and then they're like, "Okay, you can live here now." It's like, bitch, you ain't telling me like the baker down the street killed a dragon. Mm. Yeah, actually, I, there was one point I fast traveled into White Run. And then suddenly there was like a dragon right there at the gate, but because dragons can't be in the city, it immediately dropped dead, and I sucked up its soul and stole all its bones, and and then everyone in town came running, and they're like, a dragon, wow, it's dead. And there was just like a dead limp dragon neck sticking through the gate of the city, and it was there for a while, like I would leave and come back and it would still be there. <laughs> yeah that um that never mind it's stupid yeah, it's just, uh, continue just fun kind of sandbox storytelling you know it's more fun than the actual campaign quests is just like like you know like early in the game I'd gone to a giant camp and I'm like I could take him in a fight and then he just hit me once with the club, and I got, like, ragdolled into the sky and died, and then the save reloaded. Um, but that yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Um, now I can, you know, kick a, any giant's ass pretty easily. Man, you must jump pretty high. Yeah, nah, I just chop up their ankles until they fall over. No, and then you kick their yeah. ass. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the the only game I really played lately is Stellaris. Um, I, where I'm I, I'm playing a zombie death cult who feeds people to a dragon. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and then eventually, uh, eventually you get the you you can either get the dragon on your side or kill it and and get a zombie dragon. Um, and then I say, why not both? Mm. So, I've got an army of baby dragons and their zombie mother. So, <laughs> that's fun. Mm. Uh, because, like, like th- there's, there's a lot of flavor um, in Stellaris. Like, most of it is, it like, it's very plain mechanically, but it's just flavor, like, um I I picked one of the one of the civics is death cult where you can sacrifice people for uh bonuses um it's like you you sacrifice one uh population counter for like empire wide bonuses um and I'm basically just role playing that the the way they are sacrificed is just being fed to the giant dragon that uh makes its home in uh our home solar system. Mm. Um and on every decision <laughs> where it's like, yeah, we could be good and save these people or <laughs> we could be bastards and just let them die. I choose the bastard option because it's like well, like they they sacrifice people mm. as a society. Like they're they're not gonna just rescue these random people from uh, like ransomers. Mm. It's like yeah, just let them die. Yeah, you, you have to go fine. in and take all of them and also the ransomers, and then sacrifice all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna take you to this planet. You're gonna be your job is going to be as a sacrifice, and then every five years when we do the 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 like ceremonial sacrifice, you will be fed to the dragon, and your your name will live in glory forever or whatever. Mm. Um. So yeah. Oh, and I I also chose to become the crisis where. Uh, <laughs> I'm basically the end boss, mm. and everybody everybody hates me and wants to kill me. Um, so your end boss is fighting I, everyone else instead of fighting one thing. Yeah, but the the thing about choosing the the dragon uh, start is that nobody can finish you off because you have a fucking dragon mm. in your your home solar system. So if they ever try to attack you, like the the dragon will just take them out. Um, and if you can survive long enough where they can actually fight the dragon, then you're probably powerful enough to where you don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. So the death cult not only applies to, uh, like my empire, it will apply to the entire galaxy as soon as... I complete the technology to turn every every star in the galaxy into a black hole. So <laughs> that's a what a noble goal. 
Mm. Yeah, but I mean, there's a, you know, it's a paradox sandbox game. You can, there's a million ways to play. You could, you could play as, uh, so that there's, um, I've, I forget what they're called, but basically they're flavor modifiers for like your empire. So for mine, the death cult, I chose militaristic and spiritual, like spiritual for the, the you know, the whole death cult thing mm. and uh, milita- militaristic for, you know, finding more sacrifices <laughs> for the death cult. Um, but there's a a million, well, a million, there's a lot of combinations, so if you wanted to play as, you know, the Warhammer 40k, you know, Empire of Man, you could do authoritarian spiritual, Mm. um, or if you wanted to play, you know, the Federation from Star Trek, you can go, what would that be? I guess egalitarian um, pacifist. Mm. Even though, like, they're they're basically a military, but... Like, uh, yeah, I guess it depends which mean... era of Star Trek you want to be. If you're like, like yeah, next I, gen I, is I... probably more toward the pacifist, where even, like, the next gen yeah. movies were more toward the military. Yeah. So, so, like, basically, the the way it works is when you're designing uh, your empire, there's, I think, four, like, four points of divergence where it's like, oh, you could choose authoritarian or egalitarian, um, or you could choose spiritualistic or materialistic, um, or militaristic or pacifist and what's the last one there's another one i can't think of off the top of my head but like they they give you some bonuses but it's mostly for flavor um where you know like since i picked uh since i picked the the necroid race and yeah spiritual i was able to do a death cult uh so yeah it, it's i lost the lars mm. <laughs> like it i it's it's another you know like another like eu4 style time sink but yeah i just put youtube videos on while i'm watching it or wh- while i'm playing it um and it's fun there's a there's a weird um I lost my train of thought. I, I apologize. Yeah, I mean we're we're pretty much up to time anyway. So. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. The the moral of the story is that home on the range sucks. Mm, yep. And yep. That's what we've learned this week. Yep. Dear Princess Celestia, home on the range sucks. <laughs> Yep, so next time we more Disney movies probably. Yeah. Um not sure what else. Um 
Actually, I think my birthday will have happened yeah. by next time, so maybe I'll have got. I'll probably get like a video game or something. Uh yeah. What do you, what video game do you want? Uh, I mean, we'll we'll see what I get. I I, I know Mario RPG is coming out soon. I've got that on my list, but I don't know if it's if there's already somebody planning to buy it or anything. If not, I mean, there's no rush. But... I should play Mario Wonder. Mm. Oh yeah, that that I forgot. I um, I think I I talked about Mario Wonder last time. And I had completed enough of it by then. Um, in the last like week or so, I um, decided to 100% it. So I got all the purple coins, and I got all the gold posts. And that unlocked a secret final final level that was fucking brutal. Took I, I spent like three hours and over 100 lives getting through it, but I got through it. Um, and then I saw after Arachnavolt mentioned some ways you can kind of cheat some of the annoying parts. And I didn't think of it because I, you know, I always play as Mario. I don't play as Yoshi, so I forgot that Yoshi can't take damage. So that you can get through some of the parts uh, better that way. Although I guess it makes other parts harder, so I don't know. I played it the way the designers intended to be played, but it was fucking hard. But I did it, and now it's all done. Nice. I I still technically didn't go back and finish all the levels of Pikmin. Mm. Yeah, that's when I, I you know, I if there was more to do in the game, I like I don't really want to start a new file, but I do miss playing it. But also I don't want to cuz yeah. the only things left to really do are like getting all the medals from redoing all the battles and stuff and I I don't really want to do those cuz those aren't as fun as just exploring around the world. Right, exploring and collecting. Yeah. yeah, I, I do wish the time limit in Pikmin meant something. Mm. <laughs> you know, like not as hardcore as the original, where you know you can just lose. But I, I kind of wish it meant something aside from breaking up gameplay. Yeah, I mean the original one is almost like a roguelike, where you know you. You have this set number of days, and you either do it or you don't, and then you're starting over after that. Yeah. Yeah, I think around early 2000s is when game companies were, like, they were actually starting to get away from the arcade, um, you know, like, oh, you lost. <laughs> you just lost style. Yeah. Um, so they might have still just been in that mindset. Um... But yeah, it's it's Christmas season, so we have a reason to watch uh, VHS Christmas Carol mm. every every day mm. for the next yep. two months. Yeah, or compare and contrast versions of a Christmas Carol on top of all the Disney yeah. stuff. They also still got to get through. Yeah, we'll we'll decide which versions of a Christmas Carol to watch after the next uh, recording. Mm. Yeah, I usually wait till after Thanksgiving to start watching Christmas stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I. Although we've also got Thanksgiving coming up, and that means there's going to be a new episode of uh, Till Death Do We Blart. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I, mean, do I don't think anything's ever gonna. I don't think anything's ever gonna beat uh, 
light side of them yeah. all. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they've come up with for this year's launching of yeah. All Blart Mall Cop 2. <laughs> you know, I don't think I have anything for this year. And then the podcast just said. <laughs> no, that, that goes against the deal that they made. That it must be watched every year forever, yeah. and if any of them die, they've already named their replacements who have to come and take their place on the show. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a succession yeah. line. Uh, all right, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm, for the past like five minutes, I've been like, "Oh wait, are we still recording?" Oh yeah, I guess we yeah, are. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm gonna roll the dice for one more football thing, so we can uh, bookend it with more football. Okay. Uh, San Francisco 49ers Oh boy. Um. So, what do you think about Brock Purdy? Um. I mean, I think his onyx is kind of a pushover. <laughs> yeah, but his defense is rock hard, mm. so. Uh, I also, I also like that his running backs is a uh, nickname Run CMC because his name is Christian McCaffrey. Mm. Um. Actually, I think they might have lost like three games in a row. So <laughs> they 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 started at like five and zero, oh, and then I think they lost three in a row. So now, of course, their season is over and everything's on yeah. fire. Well, I mean, that, and it's all your everything fault. being on fire is just kind of how San Francisco goes. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't walk two blocks without something being on fire. Yeah, or you know, a mutant moving the whole ass bridge. Mm, yeah. Uh, okay, that's an episode. Yeah. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>